for Canberra. He has continue to fire up. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Fire Up on the Diamantina Media Network. And today, we're not just firing up, we're talking about other people firing up. Firing up and walking out. After two weeks ago, friend of the show Maroon fired up and walked out on his Triple M show. And last week, friend of the show Buzz Rothfield fired up and walked out of the Daily Telegraph's Rugby League podcast, hosted by friend of the show Michael Carianis. Okay, sure, he just had some one of his many assistants come in and say, oh, oh Buzz, your, your car's out of metering and there's a parking attendant coming along. So he, but, but nonetheless, he walked out! He walked out! And of course, three weeks ago, a woman fired up, stripped off and ran out onto the field at the Gold Coast, revealing not just her flesh, but later that she played rugby. So she was more than deserving of the spectacular tackle she received from the security guard. And again last week, another woman fired up and ran out onto the Rabina Stadium pitch, this time fully clothed. What's got these people so fired up that they run onto the field to incur fines, to incur the wrath of security guards? Are they protesting against the big club? Principle, which relentlessly relegates their small, gouldless club, the Titans, to the lower portions of the ladder. This weekend, there were more pitch invasions. The Rabbitohs are in trouble for allowing unregistered peoples to run all over the field while their game was on. How did they think they'd get away with it? Is it because they're a big club? And the Eels, another big club, playing against the Foxing Panthers, who, unlike the Eels fans, know that premierships aren't one in May, had their trainer fire up and run illegally across the goal face as Chinny Kardashian lined up and missed a routine conversion from the kick-out knock-on try that would have levelled the scores. But Chris Gale, your Tigers have been firing up and walking out! And walking out and firing up! Jackson Hastings fired up, walked out and beat the Eels and the Rabbits! You remember one Tigers fan fired up and ran onto the field at Shark Park a few weeks ago. So fired up, he was exuding orange smoke. He was fired up past the point of ignition and actually smoking. But that's not all the Tigers that's actually smoking. Despite their capitulation to Manly Warringah Seagulls on Saturday, the Tigers, if I may quote the great rugby league poet Cooper Cronk, literally fired up. On Saturday, Chris Gale, can you explain what was doing? You're trying to air our dirty laundry, Dennis Carnahan, and I won't stand for it. I'm walking out. <laughs> Not another one. I was driving to the great southern Sydney suburb of Engadine on Saturday <laughs> afternoon, Dennis. Going to the shrine at McDonald's. That's right. And I may well have been listening to a call on the ABC, our national broadcaster, which I'm prepared to appear on as opposed to our prime minister, <laughs> uh, catching the Tigers struggling in their travails against the Manly Ringer Seagulls at Four Pines Park, as I like to refer to it. And, of course, the wires all just fired up with the news that, indeed, the great, the venerable, the historic, dare I say iconic, Balmain Lees Club was on fire. No. It was. The meth lab. The meth lab was on fire. And so, of course, people are going, well, not a big deal because it's a dive site for the (laughs) Cross City (laughs) Tunnel for another seven years. Uh, so purely this is probably just Peritat putting a full stop on the use of the facility. But very quickly, news arose that there were two men 
see him running from the scene. And this got people speculating because one of them had a headband on. Right. And when you think headband and you think Balmain Leagues Club. Zero? No. No, no, he's compatriot. Wayne Jr. Pierce. No, no, there's actually a lot of tigers at headbands, aren't there? Not Benny Elias. Some people were speculating. And, it, and of course, unsubstantiated, unable to be proven, and I'm certainly not asserting that. With did, So with the fire, did the roof collapse? Look. Because the roof would have cross beams. <laughs> it would have had to go down a roof to be there in the first and place. And I'm wondering if there was cross beams where the Benny hit them with the ball. <laughs> well, i got to come to that in my Arara Valley axes. Come to that very point. The second person, of course, was observed in a Parramatta Eels jersey circa 1986. He'd come fresh from burning down the Cumberland Oval Grand. Correct, because I think everybody's saying that the victory out of Penrith Park on Friday night was the greatest regular season game victory in Parramatta's history, and they might be right. And, of course, the previous greatest victory in Parramatta's history was in 1986 when they finally <laughs> secured a premiership. Or was it, in fact, 1981, now that I think about it? 1981, when they beat the Newtown Jets. Mm. And uh, they went and burned down... Cumberland Stadium, correct? Yes. Right. Was that 81 or 86? My history's a bit hot, uh, hazy. A- 81. Thank you very How much. How many times do you need to hear the story? <laughs> Redford, like, do we need to Do we need to dig up a dozen tellings of the ding-dong in which he's dead? <laughs> well, of course, in 86 was John Money, so that couldn't ha- possibly have been in the year. So it was 1981, Cumberland Stadium burned down. Now, they, the paramount of people have got... Nothing there. They can't go to Combank Stadium. I mean, it's state of the art until the New Volandis monuments are built. So there was really nothing less for them to do than find a rugby league icon that they could safely set on fire. And so, burn it down. So people speculated that this was a celebrating Parramatta fan with his compadre about a marvellous victory at Penrith Park. And again, they're both wrong. Oh, you know the correct answer. The correct answer is a couple of punters went again to the Bridge Hotel in Roselle across the road. To and try they, and see Rugby League the musical? And they said, what is your upcoming schedule? And they've got, know, they've got the Radiators and the Dragon Tribute Show. No <laughs> Rugby League the musical. And they've so fired up about that. They've gone and set the meth lab on fire. Now. They've gone off early, they've can gone I just off- say. It's a breaking news. I'll just tell them they've gone off early. Well, I wish they knew that, Dennis. So given that it wasn't a former Balmain... League Club developer. Given that it wasn't a Parramatta fan, it was regularly the musical pundits who may well be satisfied. They didn't think it through. Because as we've been saying on this show for many, many years now, that that venue is the perfect blend for a Roselle resident, right? Because you can, oh. you can go get a macaron there, you can get a terrific coffee, and you can get your meth. Right, <laughs> and if there's nothing that the Roselle Cognoscenti like to do, then they have these Saturday night parties where they recreate the house parties that Jesse Pinkman used to have in Breaking Bad. Right, <laughs> so there was a series of orders placed, ready to be delivered, so they could go off no. on Saturday night, and then the supply line was cut off, and there are a lot of anxious and slightly cold turkeyish looking people <laughs> in Roselle as I actually drove through the precinct today, and. We really do need to think these things through because if a butterfly beats its wings, Dennis, suddenly the, the Rose, <laughs> suddenly the Roselle residents don't have their meth. Wow. Because I was reading the paper today that they, they reckon they've, the police have intercepted some 400 tonnes or something of cocaine, but it's not a drop in the ocean of what goes on. Well, I mean, Could I don't want to be get... a police operation going, you know, we can't catch them all, so bugger it. We're, we're going vigilante. We're just going to burn it. We're going to burn it at the source. I don't want to get into. A podcast. I wouldn't mind making one about you know the whole war on drugs, etc. Uh, I actually actually once posted on Facebook 
going to the war on drugs last night and someone came back to me and said, <laughs> gee, I, I, I didn't really th- think that you'd be supporting that sort of police crackdown. I said, it's a band, right? It's actually a band <laughs> called the war on drugs. But I mean, rather sadly, I did see on the wires today that there was someone who uh, deep dived because they had some 68 kilograms of cocaine secured in an underwater facility and they didn't make it back. No. You know, so... Unfortunately, I think we need sorry. to rethink that whole issue. Absolutely. And top of mind is we now have to focus on what we're going to do with that particular venue. And in fact, if we don't end up with that venue having you playing in it, then this will have all been for naught. I, my, the dream has to be at the opening night, me dressed as Wayne Jr. Pierce singing about Wayne Jr. Pierce as Wayne Jr. Pierce in the third person while Wayne Jr. Pierce sings along also in the third person. Well, I see it. And I mean, with the technology we now have with those sort of weird spider-looking cameras and whatever, you start dressed as Wayne Pierce on the stage at the bridge and then <gasps> you walk out of the venue. Oh. You take your life in your hands crossing Victoria Road. We might have to speak I'll to Darcy. I'm, I'm, Darcy. I'm <laughs> ziplining across. That's right. You zipline across and you're greeted at the door to the There's new palatial facilities. By said Wayne Pierce, and oh, then you go on, and the, he takes over, and you go onto the stage. And he's got shoulder pads, and you go onto the stage in the Keith Barnes Auditorium, <laughs> and a whole new era of Australian contemporary culture begins the with Keith rugby Barnes league, or, the musical, not the Benny Elias Auditorium, the Benny Elias stage, the West Tigers Leagues Club era, the West Tigers Leagues, Club, and there'll be a scoreboard in the back, and there'll be a bronze statue of Robbie Farah sinking his <laughs> beer alone on the score. Oh, this is fantastic art. Now, Darcy Byrne, I noticed he um, he was been tweeting a lot about the fire. Stay away from the fire. Very responsible mayor he is. I, I believe he's a Tigers fan. He is a Tigers fan. I've and, seen him at the ground a lot. And he's very much behind an initiative that has Blocker Roach stamped all over it about um, being part of the Volandi's dream about rejuvenating Leichhardt Oval, which to me would essentially evolve surgically excising... And dropping it in Campbelltown? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because you can't park there. You know, you can't get in and out of the joint. But they're talking about the introduction of a museum of rugby league in the inner west. And I'm telling you, Darcy, if you really want the franchise to survive, you've got the funding for the Centre of Excellence in Concord, which makes no sense at all. Because you've got Leichhardt and Campbelltown. If you start defining inner west and exclude western suburbs from that museum, it's just going to be a disaster. Well, I think what we need to do is get Darcy Byrne on this show. We need to get a lot of people on this show. He's one we need to get on there. But I mentioned in the opener that the Rabbitohs are in trouble because they had unregistered peoples. Yeah, we the peoples. We the peoples. How did that all happen? There's something about top 30 and clearances and approvals and paperwork. Uh, And is his name... It's not Tyrell Peoples, is it? Or Trent Peoples? Trent. Yeah, or Tyron Peoples. Trent Peoples. That's right, it's Tyron Wishart. There's so many new names. <laughs> so Trent, the We The Peoples, who had been cleared previous, the previous week, but they failed to resubmit the paperwork, as I understand it. So this is so this is a visa that's only one week. That's, you get a one-week visa to play, and it gets stamped at passport control, and then the following week they're like, no, no, no. Because I think there's some theory that if you actually get cleared, not being in the top 30, and you play, and you play... Like a top thirty player, they may not re-clear clear you as a player outside the top thirty. Are you t- sorry, sorry, peoples, you too good. You peoples are too good. I tell you what, though, it's terrific innovation by South Sydney to sort of think like, well, if we play a guy whose name is Peoples plural, we we might get <laughs> a little bit we might get a little bit of extra performance out of the thing. Oh, and equally, if they say, well, we're not going to register peoples, and they go, well, what about just one of the people? Mm. One of the peoples. I mean, they probably maybe they should start calling him Cody Walkers. 
get, get, get him playing better, get multiple of him. Now, the they won the previous week against the 12-man uh, Manly team. They did. Um, but this week, they didn't have quite the win. Now, before that win, uh, Jason Demetrio, the most um, devastatingly handsome man in rugby league apart from Blue Steel, um, he got them carrying a ball with them. Are you really that full bottle on Demetrio, are you? Well, look, I'm full bottle because he's gone right up my estimation because of his film work. Have you seen his his filmography? No. Oh, during the week, because they're sponsored by MG, not Mark Geyer. There's uh, apparently a car company in England mm-hmm. called MG, and they're a, a Rabbitohs sponsor. So when you see the Rabbitohs run out, it's not Mark Geyer from Triple M on the front, uh, the former Panther. It's actually the car company. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and they did this ad, and they had friend of the show, is it Tommy Burgess, which Burjo's playing for Souths? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Tom. So Tom Burgess with taking Jason Demetrio for a drive. And it is seriously five minutes of the most mundane, banal, but beautifully shot, artistic work as Tommy goes, yeah, might go and show these Aussies out drive. And he then suddenly puts the brakes on and there's a cutaway of Dimitri going, Whoa! as he shakes back in the, from the brakes. Then they take off and he goes, I guess we should tell the story about how I played that one game against you. Hey, we've never gone on about that. And then they show footage <laughs> Tommy smashing Jason Demetrio in a Super League game. Ho, 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 ho. Ha, 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 ha. It's just, I think it's an ad. I don't know exactly how or why. But yes, after seeing that. The highlights just... of your, uh, your left foot step that got me. Oh, here he is. <laughs> no, it was only one saw on it. Yeah, it was a uh, trial game. Pre season game. Traditional Bradford Bulls versus Keithley Cougars. How was your time at Keithley? It was good. Well, listening to that, like he could, he's gone right up. I tell you what, I'm riveted. Absolutely, we should just play bugger the podcast, <laughs> just play the whole thing over and over and over again. And that night, I was there on that night, Chris. I'm, I'm taking over. I was there. Yes, I'm bloody always there. And I'm going to run through a few idea, a few songs for you. Holiday in the Sun by the Sex Pistols. Sure. Avalon by Brian Ferry. Children Wait, of the Revolution. I, I, I don't agree. Uh, Roxy, Roxy music. Roxy music. I want, I've got that in brackets, of course. I want to be sedated by the Ramones. Ramones. Little Devil by the Colt. So we've shifted up. So this is your ladies. playlist in the car as you're driving out? This is the DJ at the ground. Wow. This is the DJ. And as Reynolds, former Rabbitoh, who's been controversially let go and there's been so much written about that, we don't need to cover it. As he kicks his fifth goal against the hapless Rabbitohs, he plays What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. <laughs> we've got Black Sabbath Paranoid. Old school Metallica, Seek and Destroy. And finally, as they walk off the field, Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Wow. I mean, first of all... This exi- is what Triple J should sound like. Existing, <laughs> exactly. Existing game day DJs, and I know a few of them out there. I mean, they've got to lift their game because that's, a, just a, that's almost like a potted history of what's great in contemporary music. Wow. How did it go down with the South fans, though? <laughs> I think they needed something because there's nothing doing on the field for them. So I think that the South fans were all enjoying it because it, you know, they needed a bit of a lift. And also at that game, there was another marvelous incident where um, there's the famous diving into the ruck. Oh, now, yeah. now back in the 19th century, the the predecessor of rugby league was rugby, which occasionally still gets played by some cosplayers. But in that. You weren't allowed to leave your feet and dive into the ruck. And this rule has somehow stayed on, but there are some rebels in rugby league, some you know, progressives who believe 
that the rule should be gotten rid of, even though with their whistle they have to prosecute it. Tyson Gamble, nobody at dummy half. Farnworth comes up with it. He's got to try and pick it up and run. He dives straight on the ball. I know it's just, it's just the laws of the game, mate. You just can't dive on a loose ball in there. Joey Atkins saying, I know it's just, you just can't do it. He was going to say, I know it's a stupid rule. I saw Joey Atkins after the game and he um, questioned me because there's been, there's been a thread of a song about Joey Atkins and he said, are you writing a song? I said, no, I'm not, but maybe I will because, and he said, yeah, it is. It's a stupid rule, but you know, we have to prosecute the rules. By the way, Tyson Gamble, you know, as part of my community service Proctor order, him. yeah, I've got to go yep. to um, Roosters games and I'm on a Roosters WhatsApp. And they occasionally say something amusing and they have likened Tyson Gamble to a forgotten member of the now uh, mind and controversy, Marilyn Manson band. <laughs> you have another look at him with his, his hairdo and whatever and you definitely get a bit of goth rock out of Tyson Gamble, that's for sure. Has he got different coloured eyes? Got yeah, former West Tiger, I hasten to add. Aren't they all? Aren't, Aren't they, they all? all? Now, the following night, the highlight of the Canberra Raiders game, the, the biggest highlight for me, and again, this ties into the whole, the musical playlist, because growing up in Canberra, the only place to go to get your music was Impact Records. Impact Records was an underground music shop. It started off above the Boulevard Blue as a little corner shop, and it grew and grew and grew, and then it, it just it just kept growing, this huge, indep- and you'd get your independent stuff there, you'd get your hard to get a lot of metal, lot of metal there. In fact, members of the Australian band Armored Angel, mm. who metal fans would have heard of, there was the, the drummer and guitarist, uh, Lucy and Matt Green, both worked there. And there was a, a shoot-off of it called Impact Comics. And Impact Comics is still going, and they're a sponsor. So is this Telstra initiative about small companies getting the big branding, you know? Which, is that what it is? Yeah, which I think is another deflection tactic by the overlord Peter Volandis to get people away from talking about big club theory, saying, hey, we represent the small guy, right? Oh. And so you had those enhanced graphics on the on the field of Impact Comics. And of course, me being me, I had to go find out a little bit more. And sure enough, it's absolutely flourishing. And everyone will be delighted to hear for less than $40, they can pick up a DC comic called Tales, T-A-I-L-S, Tales of the Super Pets. And there's a picture of Supergirl... And Superman on the front page, and no. Su- Supergirl is with Streaky the cat, and uh, Superman is with Crypto, and the uh, word balloons are pull him over. They're playing tug of war with a chain. Pull him over the wire, Streaky. Show Superman a super cat can beat a super dog anytime. This is setting up the West Tigers Canterbury Bulldogs game soon. And Superman goes, "Come on, Crypto, win this tug of war, and it will make you the super pet champion." They take. Support your local retailers. Get down to Impact Comics and invest in Tales of the Super Pets. That wow. was for nothing. We're on board with the whole Volandis support 100%. the little guys campaign. The next one they need is to get uh, Land Speed Records. That's the next sponsor they need. Um, but in Canberra also, it's, it's the 40, 40th year of the Canberra Raiders and they had an old boys game. And one of my personal favourites, Paul Osborne, the man who invented the, Osbo- the, the offload, See, like offload, Osborne, they go together. Mm. He invented it twice in the 94 grand final, which was, of course, against the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Who thank you. I'd like to thank the Bulldogs for turning up on Friday the way they did because I don't think any other team in the world would ever allow the Raiders to beat them. Is that, is that an occasion to say hello to Marty Bella? And, and hello to Marty and, Bella. And Osborne was really like jumping number 27 or something in that game? Please, 46. There you go. And, and <laughs> I, I have it. I have the jumper. And so Ozzy, he knows I've got it. But anyway, I've got the actual jumper that he's invented the offload in. But 
while they were doing the performance, while they were doing this 40 years thing, they actually played this song. You can hear those are the actual Vikings arriving in Canberra all those years ago, which was a wonderful thing. <sighs> Stirring my Viking blood. I'm about to start clapping along with it. Look, that, I, I reckon that's it because as we've established that uh, uh, Paul Osborne, who lives in Sweden now, yeah. has, has come all the way to retrace the path of his Viking, the, the Viking ancestors who settled in Canberra after they mm. got isolated when Lake George started to drain. And there's every chance that that can take over from the Green Machine, I think. Oh, as, I think it could. It's the Canberra theme. Yeah, it's that absolutely and the Viking clap, it'll all happen. Now, we mentioned in the opening the walkout. Mm. The walkout of Maroon, which has had so many ramifications because so many friends of the show are all there with Paul Kent, friend of the show. <laughs> Gordon Tallis, friend of the show. There's no one on Triple M who doesn't love Fire Up. I know that for a fact. Everyone loves it. Well, maybe one or two. And... I, you know, obviously this is run and run and run. And it's quite funny given the story took about three days to actually surface. Mm. And obviously Anthony Maroon has announced that he's not going to continue on that show. He's going to continue to call on Triple M. James Hooper has issued an apology. Paul Kent, however, having been pressed on social media to issue an apology as well, has sort of hit back. I don't want to get into the ins and outs, you know, because I love all these guys. Yeah, and uh, same here. And Maroon was always very good to me at Triple M, so I got a lot of time for him. But I did notice that when Paul Kent, and if you open your copy of The Astonisher today, you will see Paul's discussion yep. and how he reacts to the request for an apology. And so he says to the following people that he won't be issuing an apology, and they are described by Paul Kent as snowflakes, mm -hmm. mental health warriors the righteous majority, and the lunatics on Hyde Park soapboxes. And I said, he's writing an article, especially for the audience on Fire Up, because that totally sums up. It's embarrassing. So, Dennis, normally you write a song uh, in order to um, get some change from a character, in this case, Paul Kent. Uh, in this particular instance, we've subcontracted it out to somebody known as Kurt Cobain.
Oh, thank you, Kurt. Um, now, speaking of apologies, the Panthers, without crazy Ivan at the helm and, and without... Uh, is he the third best? Cameron Sherrill is a very good-looking coach as well. He's otherwise known as Craig Fitzgibbon in waiting, I think. Yeah. Craig Along Fitzgibbon, with Jason Riles. Craig Fitzgibbon with hair. Does that sort of spin your... Because, I mean, Jason Riles used to cop a lot of stick from uh, a number of people I know who follow rugby league because his hands were a bit dodgy. Mm. Really couldn't hand on to the pill, but he apparently is uh, an eminence grease when it comes to coaching. Yeah, I, I saw him at a game, and I, ha- I had actually had to deal with him, and I accidentally called him Brett White. <laughs> and he, yes, there was a raised eyebrow, um, and Matt Elliott slapped me for saying it. I was, yeah, a little bit embarrassing. But without those two, without Cameron and Ivan, um, the Panthers were an apology. That's what they were. Now you have a theory. That they're actually, they're now, they're getting too scared to score tries. Yeah. So, first of all, it's not been made clear what is wrong with Ivan's knee. But apparently, it merited some form of surgery. So, you know. I suspect what's happened is that the bus was a manual. Yes. And it's his knee. He's hammering that clutch. He just can't get, can't get it out. He's trying to get it into reverse to yeah. get it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to, to be corrected, but I'm suspecting that it's gout actually. <laughs> and so they, uh, the Panthers left in the hands of Andrew Webster, who of course who's zero. Oh, Webby, friend of the show. Zero and the other Andrew Webster. Oh, the, there's two. The zero and two Andrew Webster, who was given the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> uh, I think between the Taylor and the Cleary uh, uh, crossover, if I'm if I can remember that correctly. And uh, Peter Wallace. Wally? Yeah. He's a mountain man. Yeah. And uh, the, the boys just were all at sea. And, of course, I think that uh, Ivan, who had already been creating issues, sort of directing traffic in the hospital and whatever, had his mobile phone taken off him. And so, therefore, there really was a rudderless Panthers. But there is a, a, a greater problem at the foot of the mountain. Yeah apart from their incredible hubris and so forth. And that is, is that every time they score a try, no matter how far away from the play he is, Jerome Luai comes in like an Exocet missile mm. and jumps on the top yeah. of the Panthers' pile. And there's I mean, crushes. There are crushes. There are neck, injury, neck injuries. injuries. And you, you st- now, you're not overtly thinking this, but you're thinking, oh, if I catch this ball and score... I run the risk of Jerome coming in and giving me a hell of a neck ache. So don't tell me that Viliamo Kikau knocked on the ball. I don't need to be told that because it was clear that he did. But that was what was in the back of his mind, that he reflexively dropped the ball because he didn't want to be involved in the try. I don't think it was a reflexive drop of the ball. I think he was Basketball Jones going for a dribble to make sure, <laughs> Jerry, see this? He's, he actually slapped at it and, it and it fell down. And this is a problem, Dennis, because tries are the lifeblood of rugby league. And if Penrith well, get a little bit... if we can quote from Madge McGuire... Score some Michael Lucking tries. It's Michael Lucking fun. Oh, and if Michael Lucking scored one, Michael Lucking score another one. That's right. And so I'm contending that the Penrith Kardashians are in fact try shy. Try shy. The try shy Panthers. Yes. Yeah. I was I was wondering whether there's also a duty of care element because uh, Stephen Crichton doesn't mind layering up, 
and they're concerned that if they score tries, he might layer up in front of the wrong person and cop a whack. Jackie Boy Whiten being a disciplined man, <laughs> Joey Tarpany being disciplined, didn't give him what he deserved. But maybe some of those loose cannon eels might have given Stephen what he... So that, let's not score too many tries. And let's not score on Stephen Crichton's side of the field. Because yep. if we do, he'll layer up he'll layer or up. cop a whack. And it makes, I think, all of us think differently about Zach Lomax, who was described as arrogant and brash and disrespectful when he jumped on the back of Tyson Frizzell after the Dragons scored mm. against the Newcastle Knights down at Wynn Stadium. I think what that was was a selfless act is that his urge is to jump on someone's neck and celebrate in order to preserve his teammates down the stretch. He took out an opposition player. The man is a hero. Yeah, a big hero. A lot, of, And you don't often hear about heroes in the Dragons these you days. You know he only played with one hand against the Storms? Did he? Yeah, so I'm now calling him Cool Hand Lomax. What, why did he only play with one hand? Uh, the other one was taped up injured. He was just catching and offloading. It was just it was a masterclass. Wow. Um, speaking of masterclasses, I'm sorry, Chris, but... The trio of turbos. Well, no, it's, I, I've got that wrong. There's the burbo, the gerbo, and the turbo. Yeah, all together. I, I was trying to work out whether you could fashion a word which is a, an amalgam of trio and Travoyevich. the trio bovich or something there. like that. Right? It's already there. But and now, of course, the big debate in rugby league, and there are so many issues: stadiums and mm. um, consistency and refereeing and contracts and trade windows and so forth. The biggest issue in rugby league off the back of that win by the Manly Ringer Seagulls, congratulations to them, is it Turbo, Burbo and Gerbo mm-hmm. or is it Turbo, Burbo and Jake? No, he gets called Gerbo. And by the way, Burbo is self-anointed. I mean, Ben Travoyevich has called himself Burbo, right? <laughs> it's not good enough for me. It's got to come out of some sort of groundswell. But I'll tell you this, Dennis, and I'll tell you this for nothing. He's definitely the best looking of the three. There's, there's a kind of a Dolph Ludgren thing that goes through them all. There's that, that Germanic brow, yeah. which um, I, I doubt that Travoyevich is actually a Germanic name. And I would say that the um, assiduous nature by which they contributed a community and grassroots level and roots level, including taking away the advertising hoarding, will be an inverse proportion to how they look. Oh, you think Burbo, so, he's not going to pick up the hoardings? Burbo is not out there giving oranges to the kiddies he's at half time. He's also the spoiled he's brat. In, he's, he's in there. You've got the big brother doing the hard work, the middle child taking the glory, and the little one sitting back, playing one game at centre. Don't tell me Burbo spends half his time in spas of various types and, <laughs> and, and services. Because you don't get that hair just by turning up. I mean, look at Jake. You clearly do. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bit cool on the Burbo at the moment. Now, the next game was the um, Roosters and the Gold Coast Titans, who we, we've mentioned before, who are not a big club, and the Roosters are a big club. But there was some dramatic footage that emerged of the coaches. So, first of all, the game was played at BB King Stadium up at Mackay. Oh, no, sorry, BB Prince Stadium. I thought, I thought you know. Got a bit excited there. The, the Mackay people's now, tribute to the great. Can I just ask, was this artist? a. Was this, so it's, it's in Queensland. Was this a Titans home game or was this a Roosters home game? So confusing, the modern game. It was a Roosters home game. Roosters home game at BB King Stadium yeah, in Mackay. And, and people were commentating uh, on the fact that they didn't f- see or get much uh, energy and enthusiasm through the television. And it might have been like it was a fairly small crowd. Oh, so it's definitely a Roosters home definitely game. Definitely Roosters Isn't it fantastic the Roosters can't draw no matter where you go? You think the people well, of Mackay... No, no, I think they can. They draw exactly the same. They, they got the Roosters crowd. <laughs> the those empty seats, the, that is the Roosters members. The people of Mackay... Be star for rugby league, and whoever, and I, I, I don't know. I, I suspect she might have been a female fan, but whoever it was, that every time 
time that Sam Walker was lining up for a sideline conversion, was yelling at him, trying to put him off. Kudos to her or him. Absolutely fantastic. But the disturbing footage for all Gold Coast fans emerged of a very convivial conversation in the race, I think it was, or side of stadium between Supercoach Robbo and beleaguered Gold Coast Titans coach Justin Holbrook. Right. First of all, Robbo was holding a coffee. Yeah. Didn't pay for it. (laughs) And from what I could tell, and I can't read lips, but I think Trent was going, really appreciated what you said about big club theory, Justin, because it was Justin who first first put it out into the ether. And it's really paying dividends for us. Exhibit A, Daniel Tupo and the Anzac Day Clash. And Holbrook's going, First of all, I can't believe that Trent Robinson is actually talking to me. He knows who I am. That's right. And the mind games were reflected as the Sydney Roosters came home with a wet sail against the sparsely attended BB King Stadium in Mackay. Um, Did Holbrook have a coffee? Of course not. He didn't have a coffee. He's only the big club coach. Of course not. Well, because I can tell you that what was actually said, Robbo was there talking to Justin as a a senior and premiership winning coach. And... (laughs) He was actually saying to him, Justin, tomorrow is game day. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin took it on board and he went and told the Titans, boys, exactly. tomorrow is game day. There are no excuses on game day. Bugger! Boy, it's a race at the bottom in the National Rugby League at the moment. And aren't the Titans just excelling? I mean, they, you, really, you, you would, would have gone in with a lot of hope off the back of David Fafita, who's now absent for a month, and Tino Fasul Maliawi. And it's just not happening for them right now. And they've signed Kieran Foran for next year. Yeah. Which, again, and the Gus Gould thing is they're, they're signing all these attacking players. Yeah. No defenders. No defenders. No defenders. Who Gus would, Gould who would have a thought, defender. Who would have thought that any club would have missed Keegan Hipgrave? But there you go. Wow. And then the following game was Melbourne and the Dragons. Really, let's not talk about the game. Let's talk about Ron Pappenhausen. And this line that he stayed at the Storm for less money. And the traditional term for that is he's taken a haircut. That's right. No evidence so far <laughs> that he's had any haircut. But uh, Matt Tripp, the Melbourne chair, who's you know investing in online betting companies and saying that the Storms boys get on board early. You know, I don't see a problem here, and nor do I. He's saying he's the most marketable guy in rugby league. And Tripp then sort of elicited all the other great players in rugby league, and they've all had missteps and you know scandals and atrocities. Pappenhausen's a clean skin. And I think with the exception of an, an accommodation company, every sponsorship he has in some way seems to connect connected with speed, you know? Yes. Yeah, like he's a Greyhound sponsor and all that sort of deal. And bizarrely, the one segment of fast-moving consumer goods that he doesn't have a relationship with is hair care. So the sky is the limit for Ryan Pappenhausen, provided he gets that hamstring, that ankle, and that knee right in the next month. Oh, I don't think they matter. No. I think they're, they're immaterial. They're just, I guess they're evil, necessary evils for his business. But his business is the hair. He's, he went, from, like two years ago, he was a dead ringer for Vanilla Ice. He had the big thing on top, the big pointy up on top. But then he's, he's changed. And that whole area on top has now come down the back. And he's got, he's, uh, he's invested, I believe he's also invested in lemons and he's rubbing his hair with lemon juice and going out in the sun to get that look. That's, it. That's really interesting you mentioned Vanilla Ice because I know you watch Benji every week. I certainly do. I've, I have seen bits of it. Compelling. Quality. And he's got his segment Side Hustle because he always says it's really important that you've got something after football. Okay, be careful with the maroon thing. There may be some walkouts. <laughs> right. And the interesting, interesting thing is Benji's Side Hustle is football. But... Um, <laughs> 
Vanilla Rice is a great exemplar of that. Isn't he? Because, you know, you think, wow, hip-hop, he's gone, made a million bucks. Well, didn't get the Queen sample really cleared in a productive economic way, so he didn't. So he's had two post-hip-hop careers, one as a reality star, as a faded hip-hop star, but also as a real estate agent. I know. Could you imagine having Renovation Rescue with Ron Pappenhausen? I tell you what, Vanilla Rice could upsell me on a condo. If I walked in and Pappenhausen said, what do I have to do to put you in this property today? And I just say, can I have a selfie with you, Ryan? And I <laughs> sign the deed. I can see him with a clipboard with a, a colour palette on it and going through and say, yeah, would you want the clotted cream? Would you want the sour cream? Oh, you, you'd insist on something with a purple motif if you're purchasing from Pappenhausen, wouldn't you? No, I think you'd probably go for, for gold and black. And, and he, is, he is, of course... A former tiger. He is a former He's tiger. He's a former tiger. Never actually played for us, but there you go. Yeah. But I, I, I would also, I'd probably consider adopting a greyhound as part of the deal. Well, being that he was a former tiger and you lost him, and I know that pisses you off. In fact, it's, it's something that it grinds you. So could we say, have you got any Arara Valley axes to grind? Well, Dennis, I alluded to it earlier in a couple of contexts, but I did mention uh, the Gold Coast Sydney Roosters game at BB mm-hmm. King Stadium and Sam Walker in his conversions attempts. He was subbed out uh, with HIA and Paul Momorowski took over the duties briefly. And when Walker came back on towards the end of their surge where they got kicked well clear of the Gold Coast, and thank God they did because it put the Titans behind the Tigers on the ladder due to for and against, they made it. Well, in fact, he's kicked it and it's gone over... The black dot. And I know this has been talked about a lot over the years, but can we just accept that it's not a dot? It's a rectangular oblong segment, right? And the black dot is a misnomer. And I want to understand the genealogy of how it ever came to be known as the black dot. And again, I worry about kids who are struggling with geometry in school and shapes and, you know, geometric patterns. And they go, mum, dad, whoever, principal carer, how is that a dot? That's not a dot. That's a black oblong or rectangle or something. And they'd be very confused. If someone says it's trying to make them take a quantum leap and go from idea A to idea C via idea B, they're trying to suggest idea B. They say, can you, can you just join the dots? The kids aren't going to know. It's so confusing. They're going to think about a long oblong oh, dear. Tube, I mean, he, he, black. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine? And, and then they're trying to do modern cursive writing, if that's still a thing. And they, they get the feedback from the teacher, you've got to dot the I's. And so they do, and they put a rectangle above it. I mean, anyway. And then they'll go, they'll go, teacher, Sam Walker. And the other thing, and I've been storing this for a long time, and I finally had it. And I'm sure people listen to this show and goes, oh, as a West Tiger supporter, he doesn't complain much. And that's because that, we keep getting beaten. But when poor old Stefano Utukamano coming back from his syndesmosis and he runs onto the field at Four Pines Park and within 120 seconds he's put in the bin because there was a warning issued by the on-field official about stop lying on the players' tigers. Well, first of all, how the hell does he hear that warning? Right, That's my first concern. So I believe they should install some sort of, I don't know, flag. Put it on the... Above the black dot, if There you is like. currently a warning. There has currently been a warning <laughs> issued because you can't hear that from the bench. The poor kid's come on. He's full of excitement. One of the journos wrote how 
the terrible twos. All these things went wrong for the Tigers in twos, two HIAs, uh, Stefano only on for two minutes, two tries scored by the Seagulls during the Simbin, whatever. But not only does he not get to play the game that he loves for a warning that he was not part of, I really want to go. I understand the sin bin was originally introduced as a disciplinary measure. Yeah. Right? Why do they have to go to the dressing room? There should be an actual bin, a cage. They're not going to go. It's because they're a threat of killing people on the sideline for the 10 minutes. This, is, this is one of Matty Elliott's things. Oh, there should it, actually be a cage in front of the crowd. And it should be in front of the the, the non-team yeah, crowd. So great they, can, they can peg shit at you. Great theatre. Just say, here's tomatoes, cans. Put them in Obviously, st- the cans won't get through the, the, the cage, but the beer will. Put them in stocks. In stocks. Just not the ignominy of going back to the dressing room, a la poor old Mitch Barnett after the uh, <laughs> rather uncomfortable elbow against the Panthers where he sat under his own picture in the dressing rooms. You're sent off. In the You're right entitled place. to be there. But like, if you're sent off at the SCG, by the time you actually get back to the dressing room... You don't get there. You've got to come back again. Yeah, you're never actually going to make get it. Get with the program Rugby League. They are my Arara Valley axes that I've just grabbed. And they're very solid axes to grind. Thank you. Now, with um, the, the send-offs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, yes. um, there was a couple more this weekend. There sure were. There was... Uh, and, and this has all come back to Tupo. If Tupo had been sent for 10... Probably half of these players wouldn't be sent anymore. A butterfly beats its wings in the Amazon. A butterfly beats its wings. A big club gets saved, and it's saved publicly. And so Will Kennedy was sent off for what was described as a coat hanger. But when I recall watching rugby league in black and white, when rugby league was rugby league, a coat hanger was a stiff arm, a clenched fist, that came swinging for a long way and cracked a running player across the jaw. That's not what happened. No, it was a reflex action. It was spectacular. Reese Walsh did um, something akin to a, a movie you would have seen at the PWA King of the Metro yeah. at, uh, last month at uh, the Metro Theatre, but now you'll catch us May 27 at Selena's. I wish I could go. Eat, sleep, wrestle, repeat on Friday Ooh. the 27th. And mate, come along. So it was, it was spectacular. The referee said, I don't like it, <laughs> giving an indication. And, of course, in through the earpiece, second vibrational plane – third law of rugby league there's a rule book that we all can publicly access and then there's a rule book that the referees operate under and they've inserted the tupu clause so kennedy's (laughs) got to go has to go and you see kennedy he goes right you've got to go (laughs) you're off and poor old kennedy goes what for the whole game (laughs) yeah (laughs) and there was some 60 minutes to go and one of the established precedents in rugby league not since 2008 when manly prevailed over the melbourne storms no canberra raiders uh, has someone been sent off in the first half? Oh, right. Yeah, and yep, yep, yep. and uh, gone on to win the game. And, you know, we saw Manly not be able to do that against South the week before. Simon Wolford got sent off in... In the first half? And the Raiders won. So the Raiders beat Manly? Yes. Oh, well, there you go. I, I, yes. I stand corrected. Yes. Because that was, of course, the Shermanator was the ah, referee. Right. At, on, at uh, Toddy Smith, one of the new boys who's... <laughs> Named after the character from American Pie, he looks. He's, he could be Corey Horsburgh's cousin, couldn't he? Mm, well, he could be. Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying all redheads look the same? No. Is that what you're saying? No. Because I did notice we were talking about post rugby league careers, and Will Kennedy was very careful with the tackle. There was no clenched fist. There yes. was no swinging arm. There was a grab around the jaw and the neck, but he was making sure he didn't touch those beautiful eyes, the beautiful yeah. eyebrows, yeah, the yeah, cheekbones. Yeah. Whilst was. Walsh, the Walsh modelling career. And his nose was left untouched. We won't get Untouched. There. And Jesse Ramian, um, he was sin-binned as well. Now, interestingly, he's, he was sin-binned 
and he's been suspended for three matches. Will Kennedy was sent off. He's been suspended for two matches. But there is a rugby league mathematics corollary here. For the first time this year, for the first time, it is Jesse Ramian's go. Now, previously, you haven't been able to say yes, whether that's it right. was or whether it wasn't. Because we had a fresh start. Because Felix Annesley has expunged the record. But Jesse Ramian has already had a similar uh, issue. And he was fined last time. This time, it's a three-match ban. That's rugby league mathematics. It doesn't uh, adhere to the normal rules of mathematics as we understand it. Pythagoras would not understand rugby league in any shape oh, or form. Oh, way too advanced for him. Yeah. But he was there just is, a poor, simple Greek arithmetician. But the rule for everyone to remember, there is a constraint under no circumstances, despite having complete indifference to the product and whether it affects the results of the game, rugby league referees and the administration will never allow two people to be sent off from the same team in the same game. That's the way it is, Dennis. <laughs> Never going to happen. Right the way, game is a spectacle. All this brave resilience reflecting the attitude of the new coach, Craig Fitzgibbon, one of the greatest regular season wins in history. This is a great day for Canola. They're smoke thugs, screen. Dennis. It's a smoke screen for the Head fact. highs, shoulder charges. They're the new grubs of rugby league. Craig Fitzgibbon is presiding over some evil bad boy empire and, and Cronulla are being lionised for it. I'm almost prepared to say that Cronulla are entering into big club territory well i'm thinking it's a buzz it's a buzz rothfield thing buzz rothfield has worked out how to spin it so no one's talking about them being thugs they're talking about them being brave brave resilient resilient. headshot merchants cheap shot merchants my stomach but speaking of headshot merchants and cheap shot merchants last week's game saw one of the greatest villains matt lodge matt lodge who raised his elbow into the beautiful Corey hadawiranaida's face unnecessarily, and then claimed, oh, but I was scared he might have hit me into next week. You're playing rugby league. That's, what he's, that's what's going to happen. It's contact he, sport. He then. didn't like it. Yep. And yet, Corey had a Hadawitanaita gets straight up, walks away, holding his face, going, that smarted my nose somewhat, and off he went. There was a penalty. There was a report. $1,000 fine. But then, when the beautiful, you mentioned the beautiful Corey Horsbrah, later in the game, has tackled the ball, and then it's bounced up and his arms bounced within a foot of Matt Lodge's face. Matt Lodge has lay down and clasped with his face. Oh, my jaw. He's rolled around in agony. And it's inspired me to adapt one of my songs. He thinks he's been caught eye here and he knows where he is. He's 20 out directly in front. There's that white black sort of lay down. Playing for the penalty. I think it even hit him in the head. Well, you can tell by the way I use my phones. I'm a diving man. When I've got the ball It looked like holes But he hit me high So I hit the ground Here I took a fall But now I'm alright I'm okay Although I look at agony The bunker gave A penalty Somehow I didn't need an HIA My team was getting beaten But the way I like it beaten Is I'm taking a dive I'm taking a dive We were 20 from the line And we were only two behind So I'm taking a dive I'm taking a dive Ha, 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 ha Taking a dive Taking a dive on Corey Hadawitanida. Now, what's the contact here? And now when I hit Hadawitanida high, he got straight up, he didn't dive. If CHN was a diving man, I would have been set up or two of the bins, but now it's all right. It's okay, I gave the inconsistency. Although they're trying, no one understands. The buck has bad effect on 
games It ain't against the rules So I play them all for fools By taking a dive, taking a dive You can't say it's cheating That ain't no way of speaking I'm just taking a dive, taking a dive Ha, 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 ha Taking a dive, taking a dive Ha, 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 ha Taking a dive Go back to that problem we've got with the bunker Interfering in games As a result, we've got players lying down I was going nowhere So I fell over Lefty woke politics activists. It's so important with regards to you're right. I got the wrong yes. wrong game. I call you fine today. No. I call you fine today. Um, I have no intelligence. That's what I'm suggesting. So we had a bit of trouble doing the show last week. We said Ricky's not speaking publicly. We had uh, Matt Thompson wasn't on Freddie in the eighth. And we had uh, 360 stepping on my toes in, in clipping up things. Yeah, changing world. Even harder this week, there was no six tackles. I know. And, and it went out visually, correct? I got no idea what. Yeah, and, what... Then, and then it was posted, this audio issues. And so whilst I think it was actually recorded visually, and we know someone very high up in the Nine Podcast arena who's actually, you've seen his hand press the roadcaster on certain... And in fact, I saw him at at uh, Panther Park on Friday night and he got into a room to do a Channel 9 podcast recording of their State of Origin special. Um, it was The room that was allocated to the Parramatta um, social media people and so they've turned up to go, what is this room? And they've opened the door and there's Joey, the, uh, the original Joey and Cameron Smith. <laughs> so they're like, we can't kick him out. Like, we just can't kick out two... Genuine immortals of the game. And so Parramatta social media were just sitting out the back. So, well, that wasn't the only technical problems at Channel 9 of that week. Mike's always on. The mic is always on. Um, and that wasn't the only problem that Matt Thompson had in that game. Because if you're hungry for Matt Thompson content, <laughs> follow surely. Fire up. Someone's got you, re- you really got it in for Matt Thompson, haven't you? You're well, because right I'm, I'm not interested in 360 anymore. Okay. Um, the yeah. So if you're still hungry for Matt Thompson and Gus Band, they had a little bit on the coverage. Well, when we try and determine the pass of the year at the end of this season, I want to be with Pat Carrigan for that ball. That was remarkable. That's a front row. They're not supposed to do that. He's excited. Actually, Don't you love it when they just sort of construct, oh, they'll be the pass of the year category. Have you, have you ever, in any no, context, no. ever seen an award for pass of the year? No. 2022, it starts. Anyway, difficult difficult terrain these days. Yeah, we've got to be balanced. It's obviously the political climate, the media climate. So we're going to be balanced this week. Um, I did watch the Channel 9, as you can hear there, and this is what you get from Billy. Here we go. Wow, that was incredible. I got two of them. 
Wow. Touchline. Okay. Sean Lane with the kick. Wow, well, that, well, that is unorthodox. Tackle, Ash. And Para are about to hit the front. Wow, that was brilliant. Uh, small apartment block, perhaps. Oh, it's bounced away. Brown's picked it up. Dylan Brown will score. Oh, has he scored? Has he, I think he has. Wow. <laughs> so then in the interest of fairness, let's go. He's obviously the Queensland coach. Let's go to the New South Wales coach who did the same game. Down to you, Brad. Well, I think like everyone else, didn't really see what was happening there. <laughs> Great perspective. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> and to keep the balance, let's go over to Fox Sports. And, you know, not going for the low-hanging fruit. Let's go for Matty Johns. Let's see what he's on about. Terry Lamb, the great Terry Lamb. Well, there's the story that uh, Barr, when he first played in 1980, Roy Masters brought a dietitian in. Roy tells a story that in 1980, and they had a pretty rough and ready side of the West boys, lots of characters, and they brought a dietitian in out of nowhere to say, uh, right, okay, talk to the boys about what they should be eating, drinking through the week and day before the game, most importantly. And they said, what do you do day before the game? It was days playing for West. He said, I go to Chester Hill Pub. And the dietitian said to Terry Lamb, what do you do the day before the game? And he said, I go to the Chester Hill Pub and I have probably I have 20, 20 vodka behind <laughs> <laughs> And Roy went to, the dietitian told Roy, and she was horrified. And she went to Roy and said, do you know what he's doing? Anyway, so Roy went to Terry Lamb and said, mate, you go to the pub day before the game, you have 20 vodka and oranges? Said, yeah. He said, keep doing it. You're going, <laughs> you're going good. Playing so good, don't change. <laughs> Which telling did you like better? I think there's a theory in commercial radio, if you say something 20 minutes ago, you actually have to explain what it was because no one's listening 20 minutes earlier. Maybe that's the same principle. Is that was that, a day and a half. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a day and a half separation. On <laughs> <laughs> well, the same show. Cronk, Cooper Cronk, Matty John's podcast. podcast yeah. And then it was Matty John's post-game Thursday. He, he's very efficient. If you see his, say, Thursday night show, then you don't have to read his Friday column. Yeah. In the Astonishing. Well, wait, wait exactly till we get into a deep dive on his radio show. See, this is, this is where Maroon got it wrong because they've been making the joke, which which upset him, a hundred times a week for like eight years. What he didn't understand was that that's what rugby league media is. It's the same <laughs> joke over and over. Oh, Hindy, you've never won a premiership. <laughs> it's, like it's the same thing. It's like a Philip Glass opera. Repetition, <laughs> repetition, repetition. Um, uh, if you just let me indulge for a second and get in the weeds here a little bit. So player managers in rugby league, not really spoken about, about how much influence they have, right? So Paul Kent is someone who will step up to speak his mind. He's not friend of the show. Please. Friend of the Paul, Paul Kent. Yep, uh, he will stand up. He doesn't. He doesn't go for the bullshit. Any thoughts? And yet, not one word on the player managers who also did the deal. Absolutely. So he's called out managers a lot. That's not. That's not out of context. That's fairly indicative of every now and then. It'll be like no one's talking about the managers. But you see, last night on three sixty, they're talking about. Cameron Munster's getting a new offer tabled to him and Cameron Munster's manager is Braith Nasta who's on the show. <laughs> and not prepared to talk about it. <laughs> like, that is crazy. That well, is, who's holding him to account? Like, that's got to be... 
conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. If he's getting offers tabled to him, that's entirely illegal because he's contracted to the end of next year. He can't. They can't offer him contracts until November one this year. Yeah. They can't do anything. They can't table anything. They yeah. can say you interested. If they throw numbers, if they throw anything formal, they're actually breaking rugby league rules. Yeah. Well, Fox as a subsidiary. Subsidiary, of, subsidiary, subsidiary of, of News Limited. Of News Limited is a publicly listed company, so they they. So the reason why Melbourne Storm was so harshly dealt with was because News Limited had to self um, flagellate. Yes, because yes. well, they they they're a publicly listed they company. They couldn't. Yeah. So other clubs have been less harshly dealt with because they don't have to cooperate. They're just breaking the rules. They're not breaking the law. So when a big club breaks the rule, they get a big penalty. They get a big well. penalty. Wow. Anyway, here's a slightly uh, sexier grab of Paul Kennel managers. Phil Gardner has said to Caelan Ponga and his father, we're not going to negotiate with you until you get a different manager. Gardner's the only one doing the negotiation with Andre Ponga. Um, I guess we're turning, the, turning it on me now, are we? Let's go for it, Pat. Okay. Now, we've only mentioned three of the, uh, the team here so far because there's a bloke who's, who loves you, Sats, and, and he's, he was a bit sort of... Bit nervous about working with you today. The great PJ the DJ. PJ here. the DJ. You know, Sats, yeah, you're a good, uh, great player, even better bloke. I might not be able to work with you again. Tommy's talked to me a second ago and said, you know, you might this might be one and done. I know you get asked about this a lot, but you cover you cover defence. Do you mind just one more time? <laughs> Love it, oh, you got to play it, are you? That, that's okay, is it? Oh. Go on, you got the buttons. Robert Anderson. Now Robert sees some space down the right. Look at him go. He's got the So for people who say like you're a big, you're a big, you know, you're very big when you're, you know, in this tiny little room here, you can talk guff about people. I'll do it to their face. Uh, it's, it's fantastic, Pat. And it just it reminds us that you're actually going somewhere. And it also takes me to the shoe section of Buzz's column on the weekend. Which SEN employee was put in place quickly and forcefully after trying to lecture shock jock Ray Hadley on how to improve his broadcasting skills at the Roy Simmons fundraiser on Saturday night? Hadley was the auctioneer on a night that raised more than $300,000 for dementia research. Pat, are you prepared to admit that it was you? Yeah, I don't know how the story... I actually, I'm quite taken with the Roy Simmons thing. He was on Sunday Footy Show and he's doing the Great Walk. And I actually will get on the Fire Up Facebook page and put the link to the fundraiser because I think that's a, a meritorious cause. So we were Very we were much. tearing up watching it. I walk into the change rooms there. I've got 47 texts. I never turned my phone on after the game, but I thought I just wanted to make sure I wasn't wrong in what I was thinking tonight. 47 texts. Every one of those texts agreed with every fan out there and everything I believe in. Okay, I just got one. This is from this is from Andrew Eisenhower, who's asking for a 47 Texas the musical. Mm. And Dennis, this might be up your alley. Ooh. Soundtracked by Dee Carnahan and Nena. <laughs> It'd be Nina, but Yeah. Would you? Ruts 47, Texas, something, something, something. Yeah, I think it, I think it works. I could do it in German as well. Yeah. Well, you've got both versions of 99 Luftballoons, haven't you? Yeah. You've got English and German, like Bowie's Heroes, Pat. Yeah, I think there's a French one as well. Really? I just wanted to table that. 
Yeah, the I'm challenge is that. out, particularly if you're on the comeback trail, Dennis, as you might have been alluding to earlier. I'm ready for it. I've got 147 texts, and that's Sam nearly, T- You nearly synced it up there. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Tehan has started to publish the B Cubbery Power Index on blowing up deluxe. Right. Now, uh, place to come and have some banner, which we'd love you to join on Facebook. And kudos to you, Sam. It's already generating a lot of discussion, and I think it's going to become part of the fabric of rugby league going forward in the same way they're publishing stuff on most penalised teams and things like that. We probably should wrap... Can you give us another reason to hate the Parramatta Eels? You know, I won't do that, Dennis. I'm simply giving you reasons to dislike the Parramatta Eels. I want to hate them. And we didn't even talk about it last week because we didn't have to because obviously all the trolling of poor old Drake Arthur, you know, who no one was concerned about when they'd gone out there and thumped Newcastle, but then with the Parramatta losing to North Queensland... Up in Darwin, everyone was saying it was nepotism, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And what came to light in the subsequent week as Jake was put back into reserve grade was he was unaware of all the controversy. He didn't know about it. No, because Coach Brad says, Jake, and in fact, the entire Parramatta Reels are not on social media. So there is this patronizing environment in the Eels where Brad Arthur is explaining to his players what trolling actually is. And this cotton wooling of these young men trying to make their way in the world so that they're completely off social media is surely another reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels. Wait a second. So you've got Jake Arthur, who is... How old is he? 19, if you nineteen today, or 20. And he's being instructed by, by, by Brad Arthur? Yeah. Who is... Is he a millennial? <laughs> i tell you what. He's got Brad Arthur explaining to him how, how social media and trolling works? Can you imagine, Dad, what's TikTok? <laughs> He goes, hang on, I'll ring Ivan Cleary. Or Nathan Cleary. How do you think Nathan got on it? (laughs) Well, with that, we hope you've enjoyed Fire Up. We hope you'd go on and give us a rating. Join Blowing Up Deluxe on Facebook. Tell all your friends. Join us next week as we fire up. It's embarrassing. 